Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. This is about my 15th go uh, doing this welcome intro thingy. Uh, on today's show we have Andy Dowling from Lord instead of the second half of the Dan Silk interview. Uh, the reason why we don't have the Dan Silk interview I will go into a bit later. But I want to reiterate that the Red Bee competition go- is still going and it will keep going until his interview has aired. I've changed the rules a little bit. It's no longer the first person to email in. It will be uh, if you email in, you go into the draw and I draw it randomly. The winner randomly. And uh, yeah, so uh, what do you say we kick off this shit? I say we do. Okay, let's go. This is Andy from Lord. You're listening to the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by Tom Rose. Okay, people, thank you for sticking around to listen to the show. Uh, first of all, I want to forgive, uh, forgive, is that the right word? I want to say sorry. Uh, I want to give my forgiveness. That's not right, is it? Fuck, I feel, uh, I'm having brain fast today. Like I said in the intro, it took me about 15 goes to record that one minute blurb. Anyway, uh, let's, let's try again, shall we? Uh, I want to say sorry for the fact that, uh, the second half of the Dan Silk interview is not on today's show. Uh, it is my fault, I had an equipment fuck up, every time I called him, I would get this sound of a brrrr, and every time he talked, it, it got, like, it intensified, and every time, uh, a little bit of noise came through on his end, it intensified, but he could hear me clearly, it was weird, and I didn't like it, it, uh, we couldn't do the recording because he had to go to Adelaide. He was he is currently on tour with Sidonia or with Red Bee, his band, but his band is supporting Sidonia on their national tour of Australia. And yeah, but uh, that's the reason why the Dan Silk interview is not on this uh, episode of the podcast. That is the reason why we've moved up Andy's dates. Uh, he is this week and next week, and then hopefully the week after that, we will air the Dan Silk interview, which means rather than running for a week, the Red V competition will run for four weeks. Yeah, and uh, we'll go into that a bit later. The rules have changed uh, for the people that have already entered. Uh, your entry still counts, so don't worry. And uh, I've been informed by uh, Dan over the phone that it does not matter if my family enter. You, it won't be rigged. Your name goes into a hat, and I can't see who's enter, 
who's inside the hat, whatever. Can't see the names. And I'll pull a name out. You win a free USB copy of Ictus Deluxe from Red Bee. But enough about Red Bee, I guess. Because considering that uh, Andy from Lord is on the show today. But uh, yeah, we hope that uh, we get the interview soon. But like I said, next week is the second half of the Andy interview. And this week is the first half. So I want to point out this week, we have, uh, I've been calculating it wrong and looking at the wrong part of uh, the downloads and listens. It keeps saying we're nearly at 300 listens. I was wrong and not badly. I was, no, no. I was wrong in a bad way for me. Uh, we actually have had via iTunes, I have a, uh, via downloads, we have had 741 hits. And via Podbean, we have had 391. Which means, get this, the Formula Lockdown podcast has had over a 1, thousand, 1,132 total hits since its inception. Holy shit. That is fucking insane. What is wrong with people to listen to me babble on for an hour? Over a thousand people in four weeks have wanted to listen to me talk shit. Absolute shit for four hours straight. That's four hours, meaning week one, two, three, and four. But goddamn. That's insane. What the fuck is wrong with people? But that being said, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. I cannot express how thankful I am that you have done that. Uh, mind you, like I, I download the show to make sure it works once a week. So three of those are gone. So it's actually 100 and... 1,129 instead of 1,132. But hey, I'm still going to take that because there's more than one and I'm fucking ecstatic. And right now we're going to do our uh, tour spotlight for the week. And this week's tour spotlight is... Sing, the Singing For Our Supper Mini Tour 2014. If you don't know who's on that tour, I'm talking about Lord there on that tour. Uh, the poster is really cool. You have uh, three current permanent members of Lord sitting there like homeless people with the sign saying, We'll perform for spare change. And you have uh, all the dates on there. They've done a... Uh, Pretty cool t-shirt, I might add, and I'll, I'll have a look at that in a minute. Right now, I want to read out the dates. Uh, May 3rd, which is already passed, at the Avalon in Melbourne. May 10th, which is already passed, at the Herman's Bar in Sydney. May 16th, which is yet to pass, that's this Friday, at the Grand Hotel in Wollongong. May 17th, that's this Saturday, at the basement in Canberra. May 24th. At the Crowbar in Brisbane. 
May 31st at the Followers Live in Adelaide. Yep. Uh, the shirt I was talking about. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, they've actually got a mock version of the poster on uh <laughs> on uh on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, all three members from the poster, uh, with their faces cut out, and then Lord, the girl from New Zealand, her face superimposed. Come and see the other Lord on tour this May. Hashtag. Oh, no, wait. You will have a real, real good time, says in the fine print. I thought it said hashtag for a good time, but I was wrong. Anyway, uh, I'm just trying to find the shirt. It was one of the funniest bloody shirts I've seen in a long time. Here it is. It uh, it says Poverty Across Australia Tour, uh, Destination 1, Park Bench, Sydney, Gutter, Melbourne. Police cell, Brisbane, Alleyway, Canberra, uh, LT's Couch, Wollongong, Train Station, Adelaide, Your Mum's Place, To Be Announced, Lord.net.com.au, and then it's got uh, the horns with the M, like I always do on the Facebook. By the way, our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Lockdown. Uh, and as always, you can go there, find out what we're up to, what we're up to for the next show, for the current show, for everything, everything except how long my penis is. And you never know if you ask me politely, I might tell you, but, uh, that's our tour spotlight for the day, for the week. As always, you can catch up with us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown, or you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Tom underscore Roberts 1989. Ask me anything I should answer. I will reply to every single tweet that I get, even though I fucking hate the word tweet. I will reply no matter what. And, uh, yeah, if you follow us on Facebook, or if you like us on Facebook, follow his Twitter. But if you like us on Facebook, you'll see that, uh, right now we have four shirt designs up on the web, on Facebook. And, uh, we need to pick between those four. We've got A, B, C, and D. Whichever one gets the most likes or the most votes for whatever, I will select and will put it in production and have it off for sale unfortunately the black ones are more expensive than the white ones and that's just because black material for some reason is more expensive but uh yeah we never know what the prices may be they might drop they might increase i don't know i'm sorry about that but uh go check out our facebook have a look and uh see what ones you like and have a vote for which ones you like. And we'll go from there I guess. But uh, my personal favourites are A and C. I believe the first black one and the first white one. Uh, the th- fourth white one you can't really see the details. 
and the second black one, uh, you can't really see the details on the back. So uh, those are my favorites. So go to our Facebook, facebook.com uh, forward slash full metal lockdown and have a look. I don't want anybody to forget that uh, the Red Bee competition is still underway. Uh, for those of you who don't know the competition, the details are if you email the Full Metal Lockdown podcast email address, which is fullmetallockdown at gmail.com, with the subject line Red Bee Competition or Red Bee Comp or something with that effect, uh, and then in the subject line put down your name, and uh, not in the subject line in the, uh, the the main area. Put down your name, and then put down answer where Red Bee are from. Like your answer. Put down the word answer. Then below it, put down the answer to where Red Bee are from. And the you will go into the draw to win a free copy of Red Bee Ictus Deluxe. On USB, that's right. Uh, you get a bunch of extras with the USB version of Victor's Deluxe, including uh, a bunch of photos and stuff like that that have never been released before. Uh, but seriously, go uh, go to your email. Put type in formula lockdown at gmail dot com. Uh, you will go into the uh, in the subject line Red Bee competition. In the composition area, uh, your name, followed by answer, wherever it be from, and you will go in the running to win it. You will go in the draw to win a free copy of their album. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, right now, I want to talk about the uh, upcoming documentary about Australian heavy metal, Metal Down Under. It actually uh, is very cool. I tried to do something similar back in the day. I did one interview and realized how hard it was, and I was a bit too young to go traveling around Australia. And so I know how hard shit like this is to do. So I've got mad props for this guy. Yeah, I'm talking on a homie G and shit. No, but seriously, the horns go after this guy. He's uh, a part of uh, Animus Industries, apparently, according to their Facebook. Uh, I, I'm i sorry, mate. Your first name is Nick. And Cap... I don't want to do you... I don't want to seem rude and do you injustice by mispronouncing your surname so i'm just gonna call you nikki c from now on <laughs> but uh yeah it's awesome he's got interviews of adam argius uh if you don't know who he is metal for the brain who that i talk about quite a bit in uh upcoming interviews with uh, a lot of different people i'm gonna let the ball slip i have an upcoming interview with greg trial from dreadnought and an interview with uh I talked about it with uh, Dave Haley a few weeks ago with my interviews with him. But uh, Andrew Hogg, Chris Rand, uh, Peter Hobbs, Simon Lukic, uh, Tony Campo, Greta Tate, uh, Lemmy Wilson, Steve Hughes, David Haley, Kane, 
Creswell, Brad Wesson, uh, Glenn Dyson, Denny Astron, Denny Harris, David Harrison. Sorry, I read Denny Astron and David Harrison. Same line. Uh, Joe Capatine, I think it's pronounced. Uh, Mark Divatimo and Metal Mike. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to tell you all the bands they're in uh, because, quite frankly, I know about three quarters of those. And I probably know all their bands. I just probably don't know the members' names. I'm a bit uh, slack when it comes to some bands. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's very cool. It's a crowd-funded project. Uh, it was funded by everybody out there. And it's very cool what he's doing. He's supporting Australian heavy metal. Uh, metal Down Under is the first film to fully document the history of heavy metal music in Australia. Go to metaldownunder.com forward slash fundraiser. Fundraising. And by the way, I want to point out something that uh, he's not asking me to do this. I just really wanted to because uh, I've talked to him a few times so i've liked his uh page i've shared his page around but uh oh, i like what he's doing that's the only reason i'm doing this i'm doing a spotlight on his documentary it's not because he's asked me to or but oh, i haven't even sought out permission from him to talk about it i just am but uh the description from their facebook from the facebook for it is uh animus industries is producing a feature-length documentary about the history of heavy metal music in Australia. The film traces the origins of metal in Australia and explores the ever-evolving genre of extreme music. From grindcore, thrash, death metal, black metal, hardcore, doom, melodic metal, sludge metal, power metal, many more sub-genres that exist. Metal Down Under will cover it all. Side note, I've gone on to it before. Hardcore is not a form of metal. Anyway, back to this. Uh, the history of metal in Australia has never been fully told, and this film attempts to rectify that. Uh, rather than a backstage interview film with a bit of live footage, in between, Metal Down Under will tell the story of Aussie Metal through the formal interviews, archival animation, candid observation style footage, and first-person narration. The film will be accompanied by an interactive website that will document the production of the film as well as profile and publicise many of the bands and identities involved in heavy metal released in conjunction with the documentary dvd will be a bonus dvd of music videos interviews and extended material as well as a compilation cd wow damn uh yeah go to their website which is www metaldownunder.com and get all the details on how to pick yourself up a copy uh, as soon as I can get, save up my uh, ducats my dollars 
I'm going to get a copy, but uh, thank you, Mr. Abbott. That's going to be a while now, you fuckwit. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to go into that because isn't it illegal to call the Prime Minister a fuckwit in uh, public domain? Oh, well. I'm not calling the Prime Minister a fuckwit. I'm calling a man a fuckwit. And if he wants, he can come stand toe-to-toe with me and I'll call him a fuckwit to his face. But let's not get political. This is not a political podcast. But yeah, go to uh, the full uh, to Metal Down Under to their Facebook page. They have all the links there. Uh, I'll post a link to their page on the Full Metal Lockdown Facebook page. Uh, yeah, check them out. And I'm posting the link up now. So you'll be able to tell when I recorded this little bit because uh, the share will be timestamped. And uh, I'm actually saying on the share, I'm recording about this documentary right now which means you'll be able to uh, tell when (laughs) exactly I recorded this uh, little segment which is roughly about 10 before 10 shit it's getting late I better hurry up with this shit anyway uh, so uh, I'm recording about this doco right now horns this doco right now horns Jesus Christ phones are fiddly horns post there you go so if uh, you go to our Facebook film under lockdown app no facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown, you'll be able to find a link to their page. Okay, so I'm sitting here today with uh, Andy Dowling from Lord on the line. Uh, We've got an interview with him for the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. Uh, Hello, Andy. Hi, how you going, Tom? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, awesome, thank you. Yeah, uh, we've been trying to catch up to do this interview for a while now. Uh, We've had it scheduled over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks, and we've had to cancel it for various reasons. I cut my leg open last week. Uh, No stitches, but plenty of bandaging. And then uh, (laughs) (laughs) a band issue came up when we rescheduled it, and then... Yeah, we've had lots of issues, but we're finally sitting down for the interview, and I've been looking forward to this one so much. Fantastic. We finally made it happen. Yeah, we did, we did. Now, uh, as I said, I'm sitting down with Andy from Lord. He is the bass player from Lord, and uh, he does a bit of the backing vocals for Lord. Andy, I I just want to know... How did it come around that you joined Lord? Like, because I know Lord came from Dungeon, Lord Tim. Mm-hmm. How did it come around that you became a member of Lord? Like, was there a uh, a process involved? Like, were you? Did you have to audition? Did you know someone who knew someone, or were you a friend of Lord Tim's already? 
Yeah, well, uh, I was um, I was a friend of Tim's already before beforehand, and and I was a fan of Dungeon like a lot of other people, and I went and saw them play over the years, and and um, I was living in Brisbane at the time, and uh, what what ended up happening was that Tim uh, and the guys were going over to Europe um, quite a few years ago, two thousand and five, to tour with Megadeth, and um, I was going to plan to go to Europe myself, and I just said, look, do you want to do you want an extra set of hands, and they sort of had a laugh and went off. Oh, Oh, yeah, if you, if you want to pay your own way, that's fine, no worries. So um, I came along and, and tagged along for the trip and helped them out doing lights on the on the tour and just general roadie, roadie work. And uh, it sort of went from there. And then uh, towards the end of that tour, they uh, were starting to uh, have guys that were ready to sort of move on in the band. And uh, and Tim Tim asked me at the time whether I wanted to join Dungeon, and, and I was quite keen for it. And then, uh, and then uh, Stu ended up leaving as well as Glenn. So... Uh, Tim sort of took a step back and went, you know what, I might just uh, might start this afresh and, and call it Court Lord and go from there. So more more of a case of me knowing Tim over the years and a bit of familiarity in that way, and uh, and him knowing that I've I've played in bands up in Brisbane as well. So it, it worked out it worked out quite good. Luckily for me, I didn't have to go through an audition process. Otherwise, I probably would have failed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure you still would have got in because you've been in Lord for all these years and. Yeah. I've seen you play a few times, like at the, uh, um, I keep going to say metal for the brain, um, Dying Day, Dying Day, I saw you oh, have yeah, on Dying Day Water? with Segression yeah. a few years ago, and, uh, oh, cool. yeah, you played, played phenomenal there, because I play bass as well, and I'm not that good, I admit <laughs> it, I, back in the day, I was getting my chops going well, but, uh, yeah, these days, I'm pretty sure my one and a half year old daughter is a better bass player than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? They they just say the only thing that makes you better is to keep playing and, and, and I'm guilty for it as well. If you if you stop playing for a bit then, then you start to your skills start to go down a little bit and so it's it's quite hard to pick it back up. Yeah. But especially when we have if we have downtime between tours, I don't I don't play a great deal, which is a bad habit of mine. So when it comes time to to get back together with all the guys and start uh, start rehearsing for a tour or recording or whatnot, I have to I have to really work hard and make sure I'm back up to speed. So, uh, speaking of tours, what is your biggest tour with Lord yet? Either headlining or supporting, but what is your biggest tour with Lord so far? Uh, as as far as uh, the size of the shows or the amount of shows on the tour. Uh, guess, both, um, both. You can go both, both? Yeah. if you want. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess as far as shows go, I mean, in Australia, we've, I mean, we've really sort of gone above and beyond with um, making sure we get get to as many places as possible over the last few years, and 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 sort of tried to set a standard with other bands to make sure that you know guys do more than just you know the capital cities, and that's it. Uh, so we did a lot of regional stuff in places that people would normally not play. I mean, we went up to Darwin uh, a few years back then, and a lot of bands had just never bothered to go up there. And since then, uh, the Northern Territory has opened up for a lot of a lot of metal, which is great. But um, yeah, like our Set in Stone tour was probably probably our biggest one that we did. Um, and uh, you know, we we did quite a number. Of, I think it was about forty shows um, over over about a six six seven month period, which was quite good. But um, I think uh, you know, as far as uh, numbers as well. I mean, uh, look, the Digital Eyes tour is quite quite good for us as far as turnouts and whatnot go. And 
Um, you know, we went over to Asia last last year and played in Southeast Asia and Japan, which was fantastic. And we've done done a bit of European uh, touring as well. And and I mean, if if we throw if we throw Dungeon into the mix, then then Europe uh, back in two thousand and five was pretty good touring with Megadeth as well. So mm-hmm. we've um, we've certainly we've certainly kept busy over the years. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Uh, so how do when you bring Dungeon into the mix, how do you uh, feel about being a member of the band now when, as you said, you grew up listening to Dungeon and then now you're considered to be the bass player for what essentially was Dungeon? Yeah, definitely. Oh, look, it's it's great. I mean, you know, I mean, when I first started listening to the band and, and going to shows and whatnot, I, I, you know, obviously would never think that um, anything that, that has happened would have. Um, so it's it's always a it's always a nice thing every once in a while just to sit back and and um, and reflect and and be grateful for for you know everything that's happened over the years and and it's also good to uh, because I mean uh, the, the band's naturally it is still Dungeon we've just had a name change and I think this year where uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Dungeon so we're going to make a big focus to really sort of celebrate Dungeon. And play a lot more dungeon songs this year, and and do some special releases and whatnot. So, um, to for me to be a part of that, and also to celebrate the the guys who've been in there before me in the dungeon days and whatnot is just fantastic. So it's it's good company to be in, and it definitely makes me look uh, look pretty good. So I, there's no complaints from from my end at all. <laughs> so uh, I I noticed on the Facebook. Uh... Facebook page for Lord today, the uh, Poverty Across Australia Tour 2014 t-shirt design. Uh, is that an official merch? Can I buy that from Lord, or is that just a fan playing a joke? Well, I've um, just prior to you giving me a call, I've put up the the proper t-shirt, and it's got a front and back to it. Uh, but uh, the one that I posted up early today was just uh, something that Mark had put together. With a, with a black marker on the back of his T-shirt to be a bit of a, uh, try and be a bit of a funny man. We went and did our photo shoot for the for the tour. And we sort of all looked at it and went, you know, what well, this is pretty funny. And um, and then so I went and got a friend of mine, uh, Salty, up in Brisbane to design the front of the shirt and get his uh, back, the, the tour dates onto a shirt as well and I got them printed up. So, yes, yeah, so it will be official merch. And it will be available on the tour. And if we've got um, anything left over after the tour in May, then we'll throw it up on our online store so so everyone can grab grab whatever's left. Oh, that's awesome. Because if I can make it to your tour this year, I will be grabbing one. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> who are your Australian metal band, uh, favourite Australian metal bands from either the past or present? I know you said Dungeon before. Uh does Soulforge come into it at all? Like, do our Soulforge like a soft po- spot for you, or do you consider them to be the brothers of Lord kind of because of the fact that they were one of the uh, bands that stemmed from Dungeon? Yeah, look, I mean, Dale Dale was in Dungeon for quite a number of years, and he he came out from Broken Hill to Sydney with Tim, so. I mean, and Dale, Dale wrote a lot of the a lot of the classic dungeon songs. So, you know, I mean, uh, Dale Dale's definitely part of the, part of the big family as far as dungeon and Lord goes. So, yeah, we we do have a soft spot for Soulforge, and 
Um, it's definitely, I guess, because Soulforge has formed over the last the last few years is more of a recent band that um, it, it, uh, they have had different changes throughout the years, but um, recently they've sort of really sort of stepped up. Um, it's definitely been a peer thing where we've sort of, you know, we've shared the stage with them over the years and, and, uh, and checked them out and seen them play as well. So they're, they're, they are a great band. A yeah. Really, really good band. Yeah. And, um, it's just a pity that they live in Broken Hill still. I think if they, if they got out of Broken Hill, even if they just, got to Adelaide and base themselves there I think they do they do a lot better and probably a lot more opportunities for them so hopefully hopefully something changes for them and they can get out of get out of broken hill. yeah because I saw them play uh, the first time I ever got to see Soulforge play was 2008 I think it was and uh in Orange New South Wales and they did the best cover of Run to the Hills that I've ever heard that and uh Symphony for Destruction Symphony of Destruction. Oh, cool. Yeah. They, Very cool. Very cool. Not to mention their originals. They were great. But uh, who else would you put up there as your favorite Aussie metal bands? Like, is it just uh, Aussie power metal or do you like uh, death metal, thrash metal, etc., etc.? Those those obscure genres that uh, they keep popping up everywhere like grindcore and all them. Do you like any other... Uh, forms of metal, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I, look. To be honest, power metal is probably one of my uh, lesser favorite genres. Funnily enough, I mean, <laughs> I, I do love, I do love a lot of the the '80s classic power metal, like American and, and German power metal, like Halloween and and you know American stuff like Jag Panzer and and all those. That it's more traditional metal than power metal, but the um, some of the some of the European, uh, I, I call them flower metal uh, bands like uh, Rhapsody with uh, with lots of keyboards and and whatnot. I, look, a couple of songs are alright, but um, overall not not uh, my cup of tea. But look, as far as Australian bands go, I grew up in Brisbane, and Brisbane was predominantly death and black metal. It was just that's that's just that's what you're exposed to. You didn't know any better. Um, yeah. We had no power metal bands up there. Oh, we actually, I do correct myself. We had a power slash traditional metal band called Sedition, which I ended up joining for a very short period of time before I came to, came to Sydney. But um, apart from them, there was very little else. So, you know, some of the, some of the favorite bands that I, I saw sort of growing up and getting into the live scene were Astrial and uh, Carbon and Misery and Portal and, uh, a lot of a lot of bands like that that were really sort of doing great things at the time, and some of them are still still going now, which is great. But um, look, uh, at the moment, some of the some of the favorite, well, my favorite bands, um, Harlot from Melbourne, who just released a, a, a mind blowing album last year, um, which I hadn't even heard of them, and someone just said, "Look, check out this band," and they just released their new album. I think it's called Origin, and um, I was just. I was gosmacked. I was just, I couldn't believe it. Absolutely fan, fantastic. But um, apart from them, uh, there's uh, Electric Dynamite from Melbourne as well. Uh, you know, not so much, they've got a bit of 80s metal and 80s rock. Uh, Voyager from Perth are, are great as well. Um, uh, there's uh, Disentombed from, uh, from Brisbane who are death metal. I really like them as well. Uh, um, look, I could, I could keep rattling on. I could go on all night. I've, I've um, sort of really made a big... Because I've, I mean, like like most Aussie musicians, you grow up within the scene, and and you got a lot of peers and people that you play with because it's very very close knit. Um, so you get exposed to a lot of music, and I've really sort of made a big uh, a big effort to 
uh, help everyone out, help each other out. So I think if everyone gets exposure, then it, it benefits everyone, including us. So I yeah. I do a lot of um, a lot of extra promo work for bands and try and help people get their CDs out and whatnot. So I get I probably get exposed to a lot more Australian music than probably even Tim and Mark do in the band. So I'm quite, I mean, I could, as I said, I could, I could carry on for hours about <laughs> the Australian uh, bands that I love, but I also, you know, I, I love a lot of the old classic stuff. I love Arm and Angel. I love um, uh, um, Allegiance from, you yeah, know, WA, uh, you know, a lot of that Mortal Sin, you know, Legends as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of great, a lot of great bands that we've got in this country. It's just a shame that we don't get as much exposure yeah as uh as we do as a country yeah it's like um i was listening to a podcast the other day because uh i'm a believe it or not i i get a lot of shit from this from a few people but i'm a huge wrestling fan i hate the wwe at the moment but i love independent Mm. wrestling and there was an independent wrestler from australia his name's cracker jack and he's uh, pretty much my favorite from Australia. <laughs> and he has an alter ego called yeah. Cracker Jill, the mad bitch. But anyway, um, he he described uh, art in Australia. Because he, he said, uh, even though wrestling's fake, it's an art form. Because they still have to figure out, just like you're composing a song, you still have to go out there and compose the match. And he goes, uh, Australia fucking hate art. He goes, uh, our mm. film industry is fucked. We might get a few movies that make it big time, but not box office big. Like, the closest we got was three transsexuals in a bus going to Broken Hill. Uh, and we might get a couple of bands that make it big, like Wolf Mother or Jet, but no, none of the undercard makes it. And he goes, this bullshit, and that's mostly because the Australian public don't support as hard Australian music, Australian arts more than Australian sport. And it's kind of true in a way. Like we, we, we as a nation don't support, uh, the art as much as we should, but that's for a whole oh, nother. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's for a whole Def- nother story. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I was going to say, I could, I could keep going all night about that, but I guess really quickly he is right. And I mean, you know, I think we're all guilty of it in in small respects. Where, you know, we always look to look to the United States, or we look to parts of Europe, and especially for for metalheads. You know, you instantly if you think, well, I want to hear a good band. Where would I? Where, which part of the world would I would I go to? And, and people would instantly go European. Look, Europe. They go yeah, Scandinavia, yeah. or or Germany, or whatnot, or you know the US. And and so people think that. You know, if there's a band coming from Australia, then it's of lesser quality. And you know, it's 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 people that don't support, but it's also you know, it's the media as well. But yeah, um, look, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different things, and I, there's a lot of different sides to it. But you know, I mean, you could also look at it from even from the artist's point of view. I mean, because I think artists give up a little bit now because they don't get the support, and I think people don't push themselves as much as they really should and unfortunately we have to get we have to work a little bit harder than other parts of the world but that doesn't mean we should give up so you know we definitely want to make sure that artists really sort of push the push the boundary and really try and work harder than than they ever have before and maybe then 
people might t- start to take it seriously again. But um, we, we try to do that. We always make sure that whatever we do, we try and make it you know, a world class thing and, and not do anything half ass. And if, if it's not if it's not a hundred percent, then hold off and don't do it yet. And and we hope that other bands do the same as well. So, but yeah, it's look, it, it's a, it's definitely it's a it's a big topic for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like that was mostly his point of view. I mean, like, like I, I believe in a lot of the same topics, like the same point of view mm. as him. But uh, at the yeah. same time, like, like you said, it it all comes down to both the media and and the general public's point of view, I guess. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, anyway, let's move on from that subject. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep going, going, going. Cause that's a <laughs> that's a very, very, very intense subject to get a hold of and to keep going with. Um. Uh, one of my favorite questions uh, that I ask in every single interview is, uh, what music did your parents listen to and did it have any influence on how you play and your preferences of listening these days yeah that's a good question uh, my mother was uh, I guess your casual music fan I mean she liked anything pop but uh, you know loved El- uh, ABBA and loved Elvis and then whatever like a lot of her records were just uh you know, like a like a top forty sort of uh, compilations and whatnot. So uh, she was very very much pop orientated, but just a casual music fan. And um, dad was more, uh, you know, folk uh, folk folk music fan. So he loved uh, Cat Stevens, John Denver, Son and Garfunkel, um, you know, Bob uh, Dylan, James Taylor, and whatnot. Yeah, Bob Dylan as well. So you know, I mean. When I was growing up, I didn't really think much of of uh, most of the stuff that he had, um, but he played a little bit of guitar as well. Um, not a, not a great deal, but he had an acoustic guitar that he used to play, and he he knew a few songs on there, and he like played it at Cat Stevens or James Taylor or whatnot. And I think that in itself, sort of just watching him actually play some of these songs, made me made me get motivated to to want to play guitar and. And um, it wasn't until, you know, getting introduced to, to bands like you know, Metallica and Megadeth and whatnot in, in school that I really, really wanted to pick up guitar and start playing. But um, yeah, it had a little bit of an effect on me. And, it, and funnily enough, it, it comes full circle because in the last few years, I've, I've gone back and I've checked out a lot of, um, a lot of the music that my dad, used, my dad would listen to or still does. And, um, and a lot of it's fan- really good, but I'm listening from a different point of view now than what I was, what I was when I was a, a kid or a teenager. So um, it's, uh, it's good to appreciate all sorts of music. So now I'm, now I'm going back and finding records and buying, buying records in op shops where, you know, all the Cat Stevens ones or James Taylor ones are collecting dust and I'd get in there and buy them for a dollar each. <laughs> so uh-huh. it works out well. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's, that's generally what both of them, both of them listen to. All right. Yeah, because for me, my dad was a like huge into Pink Floyd and and Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and things like that. And for me, it was a natural progression to get into the move from that to the heavier styles. So it's always yeah, cool. I always love that question because I love hearing people say, "Well, stuff like that." Like my my dad was into folk or stuff like that, and hearing people's progressions into metal kind of yeah 
Um, yeah, totally, totally. What is the writing process behind Lord? Is it just uh, Tim walks in and hands you a bunch of notes and goes, we're playing this today? Or is it uh, you all sit down in a group and say, well, I want to do this, but what if we add this? What if we add this? Here's a song. Wow, that's awesome. Or is it like each of you go away, you write a song each, you come back into the group, and you've got an album all of a sudden. What is the process? Yeah, well, you probably probably uh, just outlined all, all the ways that we do it. It's, it's <laughs> really, it comes down to, I guess, the song and, and how we're all feeling and where we are and whatnot. Because we, I guess in the grand scheme of things, we live fairly close together, but we're still probably about... Oh, about an hour apart from each other, yeah. and um, so we don't we don't really get together often. If we if we're uh, you know rehearsing for a tour or whatnot, then we'll get we'll get together on a weekly basis or whatnot. Otherwise, um, we'll you know only only see each other when we're when we're touring. Uh, Mark's a little bit closer to me, so I see him a little bit more often. But uh, I mean, look, it can be a, ver- a variety of different ways. Different songs sort of evolve. Um, in their own their own rights. I mean, you know, there's certain songs where we've been, you know, uh, just stuffing around at rehearsal, getting ready for a tour, and just going over existing songs. And suddenly, someone's just playing playing a riff that they just made up on the spot, and you know, kicking on, on drums or whatever. And we start just jamming, just playing around. And someone goes, "Oh, that sounds really cool." And so we sort of put in the memory bank and, and hold on to it, and or we just say, "Look, go on, just record that riff when you when you go home and." And shoot it over, and we'll we'll have a listen to it. So there's there's ways of it, it happens like that at times, but probably the the most common way is that we we all we all sort of get in touch with each other, and when we read it, sort of get together and put ideas together for an album. And we'll say, look, um, stuff thinking about music and whatnot, and look if uh, you know get get all the music together by this certain date. We'll we'll pick a date, and it might be like two or three months away and what we'll do in that period of time is that each of us will either record you know riffs or you know drums you know or full songs with you know like really rough demos or we'll put together lyrics and themes and whatever and then what we'll do is we'll put them all together and on like sort of a shared thing online and we'll we'll pick them pick them apart uh, together but I mean Tim's Tim's a master at, at doing this and I mean he's he's been doing the dungeon stuff for, for years as well so I mean, he's he's probably the chief arranger, and, and Mark does a lot of arranging himself as well. But um, usually, what we'll do is just pass it all through to Tim as well, and he'll he'll go through and go, well, you know, I reckon we could probably change this or adjust this, and then he'll go through and start some demo demoing up the first proper demos for all us to listen to, and then we'll go and pick them apart um, one by one. But um, it's a it's a big evolving process, and it really comes down to the song. I mean, sometimes Tim will have a song go, I've got no idea what the hell to sing about. Uh, you guys want to think of some lyrics and just chuck them in this song, and, you know, Mark and I might come up with some lyrics just to throw in there and send back to him, or, you know, we're, we're not sure of a melody line, so we'll, you know, one of us will, will go back and, and work out a melody for a song or, or whatnot. So it's really it's really a unique thing, but we're not, Apart from jamming together in rehearsals and coming up with the odd odd riff or section, we I guess we probably work work alone for the most part, and then and then pull all of our ideas together probably online, which is a uh, you know, very very modern modern way of doing it. It's not the old school way of of jamming for hours and writing on the spot. Well, at least you moved on with the times, if you know what I mean. Like, at least it's not holding you back, like going, oh, my God, what is that thing that shines light? You're going, 
well, let's use the internet to our advantage. Let's keep the band going. Let's make it stronger. Oh, definitely. And the other thing is, I guess, comparing to bands over the years as well. I mean, you know, a lot of the classic bands growing, you know, going through the 80s and even the 70s and whatnot, I mean, they're, they're guys that, you know, all started together at the same same base and, you know, they probably, half of them lived together or, you know, half of them were, you know, off their face on drugs so they could do this big drug-induced session for, for, for hours on end trying to write songs, you know, on a, on another mental plateau and whatnot. So, I mean, we're, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we've come in on a different era and, um, you know, you, you look at it from a different way and in some ways, it, you know, it, it can be frustrating at times because you don't have the face-to-face contact to really sort of nut out things. But in other respects, you, you have that solitude yourself to really sort of sit down and, and work out an idea without any pressure from anyone else or the, or the initial criticism as well. Because sometimes you, you don't want to start noodling or, or coming up with some sections and, and someone instantly goes, oh, well, that shit, don't, don't use that. And yeah. you're like, well, hang on, I haven't even worked it out yet. I've just, I've just, it's just come out of my mouth or it's just come up, you know, I've just played it then. So it, it's got its advantages and disadvantages, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, there was times when I used to play music as well, like, because uh, I was a solo music, um, sorry, I was a uh, solo musician, and uh, I would mm-hmm. be sitting in my uh, in my uh, room alone, and I'll be playing something, and then, uh, like, my dad will walk past, and my brother will walk past, and they would hear it, and they would open my door and just go, you're not going to play that, are you? What do you you mean? It's good. Tom, no. Record it and listen to it. It's shit. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. So it's... uh, My point was it's good to get the other person's point of view when you made something to uh, for other people to listen to is what I meant by that. Oh, definitely. And look, I mean, it, it... Really shows a person's character if, and you know, a, a good musician, someone who can who can write something and perform something, and you know, and put up with and be able to take the criticism from someone else. And look, it's up to you how you take it in. And some people might just it just might not be their thing. It might not be their style, their preference. But other people may say, "Look, mate, it, it's really not that good." Yeah. And then that's when you sort of you you keep the wall down. You don't get in. You don't get defensive, and you go back and you and you. That's when you really look at yourself and listen to it, you know, subjectively, and go, "Well, look, you know, maybe maybe it isn't that good. Maybe I need to work on it a bit more." But I mean, that's it's a really good uh, really good um, show of character um, that um, you know a lot of musicians need to have. Yeah, need to have thick skin. Thick skin. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tell me a bit about your history. In regards to metal, like pre-Lord, you touched on it a bit, but uh, if you can, would you be able to go into a bit more detail about it? Like, uh, how did you become a metalhead, and how did you get into playing metal? What was your first instrument? Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, uh, I just I wasn't much of a music fan. Like when I was really young, I mean, obviously, just my, my whatever my dad was playing and whatever was on the radio. I think I had a best of the best. Kiss- set from 92 or whatever that I'd listen to in the car and sing along whatever pop songs were on that, on that cassette. But um, when I'm going to early high school, um, 
I think first first year in high school, uh, you know, some some kids who obviously had older brothers, um, you know, were exposed to Metallica and whatnot. So uh, we we would like bring a CD to school, and someone would take it home and dub it onto their cassette and bring it back the next day for for them to hand back to the guy. And um, I think the first first bands that we sort of started passing around were Offspring at the time, and and um, I think the first the metal metal album that uh, that I had was in just for all um so you know just hearing that not really knowing what the hell it was and not hearing anything like that was pretty a pretty surreal moment so it it, it naturally went from there i mean I'll, i look either to my credit or either a good thing or a bad thing i should say uh you know there wasn't too many metal fans in my school and uh, there was a couple of guys who liked it but um i sort of because i wanted to hear more i started looking outside and, and trying to find other people and and luckily, the internet was just starting to come in, so we we're, we're listening to a lot, uh, a lot of stuff online and trying to find bands. But um, it was uh, it was more of a case just uh, trying to find people at school who who were lucky enough to have uh, older siblings who who had exposed them to heavy music, and obviously from Metallica, you know, Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax, Testament and whatnot. So it was, it was those American heavy metal bands first, and then and then starting to get exposed to European stuff and and whatnot, and then and then hearing some Australian stuff as well, hearing Mortal Sin and and uh, Slaughter Lord and. Uh, Armored Angel and a lot of those bands, which I just I couldn't fathom that they were from uh, from Australia. I just assumed that every like this is probably touching on before. I just yeah. assumed that everything uh, that was good was from overseas. So I was quite uh, I was quite blown away to to hear a, a band that was really really top notch that was uh, from from my own country. So uh, yeah, it sort of went from there. And just uh, it you know once I got of uh, you know got into my mid teens or whatnot, just sne- sneaking into gigs uh, to see bands uh, underage or um, or uh, once I was 18, just going and seeing as many bands as possible and just making friends with people in bands and, uh, you know, playing playing with other musicians, just jamming, not doing anything serious. And, and then it's sort of, it just, it's a natural progression from there. I just, I, I became a bit of a social butterfly, I guess, just drinking too much and, and trying to make friends with people and, you know, and then, you know, traveling interstate to see, see some bands play and meet up with other people as well. So, yeah, and then... Um, and then as far as playing music, um, you know, we just had a couple of, you know, high school bands that weren't really anything. We, did, you know, might have had one song, half a song that we'd written and the rest were just, you know, trying to play Metallica covers or whatever. So it was pretty, it was pretty uh, abysmal. But um, uh, from there, I, uh, after high school, uh, played in a rock band called Mobster for a sh- really short period of time. Um, they just played really sort of really cool 80s hard rock stuff. And then I played in uh, Sedition. Uh, it was just a uh, power, power prog traditional metal band. They were very influenced by Queensryche and uh, and Iron Maiden, and uh, yeah, played a little bit with them. Um, and then before long, I uh, ended up in Sydney. So it was uh, my my music, uh, I guess, p- uh, playing or performing experience or whatnot was quite limited. I'd just done a little bit of stuff around around Brisbane and whatnot, but um, it wasn't until I came to Sydney that. Um, I guess I uh, really sort of uh, got thrown into it and just uh, just made the most of it and just went went down home from there. So, what was your first instrument? Uh, first instrument, so yeah, it was a guitar. So, uh, just an acoustic guitar. Uh, my dad's one. I'll just play play his. Um, and then uh, then once 
I got exposed to Metallica and whatnot at school. Then I got uh, got Dad to take me down to the music store and buy me a really crappy Pro Axe guitar, and um, and then sitting there in, in my room with a really really horrible uh, little uh, knockoff Marshall practice amp, trying to trying to play Metallica riffs as loud as I could, and and uh, and I just went from there. But um, look, even when it came to playing uh, in bands and whatnot, uh, I was playing guitar up until I was. 2021 and um i just realized that everyone wanted to be a guitar player and no one wanted to play bass and so i had a really hard time linking up with good musicians to play in a band where i was playing guitar and i just saw all these great bands that were just losing bass players or or just couldn't get one so i figured well you know i kind of want to play in a band more so than i want to play guitar (laughs) so (laughs) i'll uh, i'll grab a bass and i'll just uh i'll start playing bass and just uh, get myself up to speed and just get my head around it all and and then um, and start to uh, you know trying to trying out for some some bands and and it went from there and I've you know ever since then I, I play I still play guitar here and there but um, you know I look that bass is what I play for the last ten ten plus years so I've just um, you know I've, I've loved loved it and I love everything about it and it's great but um, actually I've just forgotten uh, before that. Prior to that, when I was in primary school, I played the trumpet as well. So yeah, it's a point of note. So um, you know, playing a lot of a uh, lot of you know uh, old classics and whatnot on trumpet, and I guess that got me into a little bit of music theory and understanding pitch and and whatnot. So it was. I think that was at the time I wouldn't have. I didn't really appreciate it, but I mean, hindsight, I'm, I'm glad that I I went through those years of. Uh, of getting pressured by my parents to to go to trumpet practice and and play in little school orchestras and whatnot because it it did pay off and it gave me a bit more of a, a hit an ear to uh, an ear to sound. You're the fourth bass player I talked to that played the trumpet before they played bass. There you go. So it's probably meant to be. It was just it was just a, it was bound to happen. I was bound to play bass. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, that's actually I want someone to do a uh, full blown study on that. Uh, why trumpeters become bass players, <laughs> and most of them are really good too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't I, look. Who knows? I mean, I think um, when I was before I started playing trumpet, uh, they offered it in school, and they just said to to everyone in the class, I said, "Look, you know, the, there's a musical uh, instrument program to play and." You know, you can pick an instrument and you, you hire it out and whatever. And I really wanted to play saxophone. That was, that was all I wanted to play. And and, and mum looked at the fees of how much it cost to play sax. And she said, oh, actually, they didn't have one. And she and they said, look, if you want to play one, you'd have to buy one. And mum just said, no way. I'm not paying for a saxophone that you'll probably get, give up in a few months' time or a few weeks' time. And then they had a really horrible banged-up trumpet uh in the music room, they said, "Oh, well, there's a trumpet there," and, and so I reluctantly uh, started playing that. But <laughs> thanks to my mum, so I I probably thank her for that. <laughs> um, alrighty, so uh, we're coming to the end of uh, week one of our interview with uh, Andy, and uh, Andy, this is a question that I end every single uh, interview on. Uh, it's a uh, multiple choice. You get to pick one. Uh, you can either ask me a question. You can be asked a really strange or weird question by me that I have to think of on the spot. Or you can give me the quote of the week for next week's show. <laughs> so you get to pick A, B or C. 
Well, I think I think I'm going to put the pressure on you because uh, I I definitely don't uh, I'm not quick minded tonight. So I'll give I'll put the pressure on you and pick B, and you can ask me a really out there strange question. <laughs> all right, all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, I'm always really unprepared for this one. I I don't know why I should just come up with really weird things. Um, really strange or weird question. Um, what color underwear are you wearing? <laughs> that always puts people on the spot. Black. Black. There you go. <laughs> Alrighty, Andy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I should really start preparing for that <laughs> all good all in good fun no one ever seems to pick C ever it's funny oh yeah well that's it that's it because we don't there's too much pressure put on us then we gotta we gotta try and think of something on the spot yeah. I'm just not witty enough tonight uh, otherwise I probably would have given it a go <laughs> <laughs> alrighty well uh this has been Andy Dowling on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast and uh second half of his interview or week two of his interview is next week on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. I'm Tom Roberts. This is Andy Dowling. See you guys. Please hang up and try again. Wow. So it seems that uh, I went a little bit longer than I thought I did with that interview. And it seems that we've already hit the hour mark, which is what I usually try and keep the shows at. But uh looks like we're going over a little bit. Sue me. Uh, we've got a few more things to talk about, and then uh, it's the end of the show, pretty much. But uh, the good thing about this is that I'm not on a time restraint, as in I'm not working for a radio station. I'm, I'm not running a show for a radio station. I've done that before. And it meant that I had to keep to my time limits exactly. If I went over or went under, it was dead air or I got in trouble. And now I don't have to do that. And I can say, fuck shit, as much as I want. I can even drop the C-bomb, although I only do that on special occasions. Uh, Yeah, what did I want to talk about now? Oh, yeah. On uh, Thursday, actually, I'm going to be in uh, Canberra, not to do Full Metal Lockdown, the podcast, live or anything, Um, not to do a special appearance or (laughs) anything, sorry, I tried to say that with a straight face. I'm going to be there to see the Sidonia show, uh, Sidonia Helm and Redbit, at the basement in Belconnen in Canberra. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a great show, and I'm actually going to review it and do the review on next week's show. So, if you're at the Sidonia show at the basement in Canberra on Thursday, hit me up, Talk, come talk to me, uh, tell me shit you want me to talk about in the podcast. Uh, I'll be the guy with the walking frame. And it's not like an ironic walking frame or whatever. I have shitty legs. Get over it. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about is if you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown, or if you follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Roberts 1989, you would already know what I'm about to talk about. 
AJ uh, Meta or Meda or however you pronounce his surname. I've heard it pronounced like eight different ways, so that's an exaggeration. I've heard it pronounced three different ways, but anyway. Uh, uh, he, I tweeted him just a long shot tweet. Uh, hey, AJ, will you be on my podcast? Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I said. I'll find the... Uh, I took a screenshot of what I tweeted him. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, sorry, I just got a message from a friend and then realized uh, what I actually said to him was, Hey, AJ... Uh, no, I didn't even say, hey, AJ. What did I say? Where is it? There it is. Uh, I pretty much... Oh, fuck no. I hate technology. What, you stupid fucking phone? Anyway, uh, uh, here it is. Uh, will you do an interview for my podcast? Question mark, LOL. AJ replied, uh... Okay, remind me first week of June and I'll do it. Me. Holy shit. Seriously? Question mark. Yep. So, uh, if that's not a joke and he is serious and he can do it in the future, uh, I'm going to let that cut out of the bag. Uh, one of the guests on the former Lockdown podcast is going to be AJ. The uh, promoter of Soundwave, The Big Day Out, Harvest, and uh, Walk Tour. Holy shit. Yeah. He's uh, equal with Cam West as one of my top three idols of all time. Number one is Rick Rubin. Number two is Flea. Number three is AJ and Cam West. Fuck me. I really hope that comes to fruition. Uh, yeah, like I said, fuck me. Uh, this is the section of the podcast, by the way, that I don't edit. I don't put sound effects into it. I don't, uh, put all that rigmarole into it. You're gonna hear me get all the oh fucks and the can't believe I fucked that up and oh shits, things like that. You're gonna hear, uh, more swearing than the rest of the show combined. But hey, fuck it. I don't care. Uh, but yeah, I really hope that comes to fruition. Uh, the, the season one of the Formula Lockdown podcast ends in July. So, uh, June, uh, if one of the bands don't mind getting out of the way and moving to season two, which will premiere in August, uh, if they don't mind moving to season two in the way of AJ, I'll have to ask them. But, uh, yeah. So, I wanted to bring up something else today. I shaved my head again. Uh, for those who don't know, I shaved it for charity back in August. Uh, sorry, back in September. I shaved it for charity. I raised $2,000 for an ataxia charity on a, uh, at my International Ataxia Awareness Day. If you don't know who we are, go to our Facebook page. International Attacks Awareness Day. It's facebook.com forward slash IAAD orange. Uh, the word orange, not the color. Don't try and type the color. It doesn't work. Type the word. But anyway, it's IAAD orange. No gaps. 
uh, so facebook.com forward slash uh, anyway I don't talk about that on this show because it is a whole nother subject but uh, yes I shaved my head about four times since then I shaved it today and I almost wish I didn't a second time that I've gone all the way down to the skin uh, last time I went all the way down to the skin was last time I shaved my head uh, and it's already got regrowth I shaved it five hours ago this afternoon it's already got regrowth what the fuck anyway uh it grows like crazy uh but i wish i didn't because it is now really 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 fucking cold my head is freezing i'm getting brain freeze every 10 minutes it fucking sucks but anyway, uh, that's the life I chose. If you didn't see me with long hair, I used to have really fucking long hair. But uh, anyway, that's the end of the show. Uh, on next week's show, we're going to go through some Soundwave early predictions. Uh, the rumors are going around that uh, it's going to be very non-metal next year. Uh, very non-metal, even not that. Uh, this sound wave was that metal. I mean, Green Day weren't that metal, but the undercard was fairly metal. Uh, and their predictions are saying that they're gonna release the lineup in August. Uh, we're gonna have the second half of the Andy Dowling interview. Hope you enjoyed the first half. Uh, I think, uh, uh, shit, I went to say I forgive you. <laughs> shit. I'm sorry again for the quality of the interview. Uh, did I apologize for it before? Either way, I'm sorry for the quality of the interviews. Uh, we we tried using uh, my new and improved version, and uh, which obviously is not that new and improved because it fucked up for me and Andy and me and Dan, which is the reason why the second interview didn't happen. But I uh, fucked up in the sense that uh, we couldn't, uh, it was delay issues. It was, uh, I would talk 10 seconds later, he would hear me, and I would already be saying, Can you hear me? and talking over his reply. So it didn't work very well. Uh, but the second half of the interview will be next week. And, uh, with the program that I use, I couldn't control the levels of my mic. I had to use it directly through my laptop, so I couldn't control the levels. That's why I sound really loud like that. Sorry, I had to give an example. I tried to drop the overall volume of the interview so that I didn't sound too intense on people's ears, but I couldn't help it, and I'm really sorry for that. Uh, yeah, so we have the second half of the interview with, with, uh, Andy. We go into a lot of other stuff. We talk about, uh, shit, what do we talk about? Uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of shit. Uh, we, next week I'm gonna talk about, um, what am I gonna talk about? Uh, my love of vinyl and CDs. I've never made it, uh, not clear that I don't. I'm not a fan of uh, 
the way the world is going with the MP3 and all that. I see the need for them, but I'm not a fan of it. I'll go into that more next week about my love of vinyl and my love of uh, CD and uh, my love of the physical product. Uh, next week, we'll also go into uh, a publication. We'll talk about uh, my favorite Aussie heavy metal magazine. It's an online magazine, but it's still my favorite Aussie metal magazine. Uh, it's a relatively new magazine. They've only come out this year, and they've already done an interview with yours personally in their second issue. I got a full A4 page to myself, page 4. Uh, we're going to talk about Tranquil Magazine. And we're also going to go into ACDC. Should they retire? I know it's been a subject thrown around. But uh, thrown around with a bit of haste these days. But uh, yeah, should they retire? Shouldn't they? Why don't you drop me a line at fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. Tell me your... Uh, your um views on the subject or drop me a line on twitter uh at tom underscore roberts 1989 or go to our facebook facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown and don't forget to enter the red b competition uh full metal lockdown at gmail.com in the subject line red b competition in the composition area your name Followed by the word answer, then answer the question, where did Red B come from? You go into the draw to win a Red B Ictus Deluxe on USB, drawn two Mondays from now. It's not next Monday, the Monday after. That's when I record this Fandangle thing on Mondays. So uh, get your questions in, get your tweets in, get your competitions in. All that shares in it. And uh, yeah. So next week. We have the interview with Andy. And the second half of the interview with Andy. And the week after that. The second half of the interview with Dan. But uh, yeah. That's the end of this podcast. Very awkward ending. I love you. Bye.